Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sports title, Mike Max, in Dave Mona on vacation. Sid Hartman will join us shortly. A lot going on. Obviously, the uh, thing that took everybody off guard, Minnesota Wild made a change to the general manager position. Uh, which leads to a lot of questions as they move down the road. And uh, Brian Lawton has always been a great uh, contributor to us on this show and on my show on, during the week as well. And so he joins us now. Uh, nice enough to join us from vacation, in fact. And so, Brian, appreciate it very much. And obviously the off-season news, every once in a while you'll see something like this. doesn't happen very often, but it is professional sports. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to comment on, on uh, Paul Fenton, but uh, the, the the state of the NHL right now, what goes on in camps right now? As is, is, is you surmise through the summer, are all deals done now? Uh, what, what's it feel like when you're running a team as you have in the past? Uh, typically, Mike, and I'm over in Europe. I'm in Tuscany today. Uh, I've been over here for about a week now. But typically, this is one of the quietest times of the year for a general manager, people that work in the National Hockey League, uh, not players so much as they're starting to gear back up. But in terms of management, yes, this is traditionally a very quiet time. And quite frankly, that's why I generally come over here about yeah. this time of the year to get a little bit of a break and uh, recharge the batteries. Assess the Minnesota Wild. They, they, as I look at them, and I'm certainly not a hockey expert, but you go, okay, you got an aging roster with a bunch of young guys, not much in between, a little bit in between. Uh, what, what's realistic? What, what, what can you get out of this current roster right now, assuming that this is pretty much what you've got going to camp with? Well, you know, I got to tell you, Mike, back when I was in Tampa, you know, we were fortunate enough to have a first pick in Steven Stamkos and a second pick the following year at Victor Hedman, and that's kind of formed the foundation that they've gone on and done an incredible job of building upon. Uh, that was then, this is now. Teams are not able to do that. We saw last year the Colorado Avalanche had the Ottawa Senators pick, which was supposed to be the first, but after we changed the lottery system, that pick actually ended up being fourth, and by the math, that's about what you get if you bottom out in this league. I know for years, Mike, people have said, geez, the wild, the, the wild are, they're not ready to win a Stanley Cup maybe, but they're never bad enough to get flushed down. How do you get out of it? Uh, in a salary cap world, I really think it comes down to draft and developing, modernizing your organization, making sure you're taking the most advantage of analytics, sports science, uh, I could go on and on on the technology front. And then you've just got to be better than everybody else. And, you know, if you want examples, you could look at the San Jose Sharks. They've done an incredible job of, uh, you know, they were competing back in 08 and 09. Uh, and they're still competing now on a yearly basis for a Stanley Cup. How do they do it? They've held on to their good players as long as they can, but they've also made tough decisions, letting Patrick Marlowe go, a couple of years ago, letting Joe Pavelski go this year. And by drafting and developing well, they've been able to replace those guys with the next wave. 
St. Louis Blues, uh, if you look at what they did last year, Mike, uh, it, it was a shock to a lot of people. A team that was dead last in the league in early January wins the Stanley Cup. I really believe that's the new world. Uh, I think that bodes, to be honest with you, quite well for the Minnesota Wilds. Everybody is so close. Uh, you've just got to, you know, really push the envelope. Um, yes, they have some older players. Certainly, uh, Zach is 34. So is Stahl. Zuccarello, they just bring in at 32. Koivu's 36. Suter, of course, is the same age. But there's nothing, in my opinion, to prevent this team from ramping it up and competing for a Stanley Cup. For whatever reason, uh, we didn't really see a lot of that earlier in the summer. And quite frankly, I'd say that was probably the number one reason, a little bit of a disconnect as to what the organization's doing as to why they made a change. What, what, what's the new wave? How do you have to handle players today differently than, than maybe when you played? You know what's really different right now than, than when I was managing that you have to be on top of is the cap was growing exponentially at such a large amount 10 years ago that even when people made significant mistakes, you could kind of buy your way out of them. That's not the case now. You can field a really competitive team now if you leave yourself flexibility, if you have cap space, just by taking players that people can't handle anymore because of their cap position. We saw the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? They signed Patrick Marlowe, who I just referenced two years ago. They can't carry him another year because of his salary they end up having to give the Carolina Hurricanes a first-round pick to take Patrick off their roster. The Hurricanes immediately buy him out. Now Patrick's a free agent. There are tons of examples like that going on around the National Hockey League. You have got to be an expert in the CBA. You you have got to have a forward-thinking macro view of the NHL to be successful. If you do that, there's no reason why you can't compete, particularly when you have a club like the Wilds, who has one very, very strong thing, and I'd suggest, too, they have good goaltending and they have an excellent decor. Just build off of that. Be aggressive. Uh, they have a chance to find success more so than anybody else. They're, they should be in the top 15 in the league in their sleep. Brian, you're on vacation, so I'm going to let you get back to vacation, and we'll talk when you get back to town. But thank you so much for the insights, and uh, we'll be visiting. Always my pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me on. You bet, Brian Lawton. Talk about a wealth of knowledge, NHL-wise. Uh, he's got it. And obviously a little bias in this part because he's gotten to know him so well. But be a good guy for maybe Craig Leopold to talk to you about that position or some position over there. Plenty more to come. Jim Cotton knows just a little bit about playing the game of baseball and what makes guys tick and what goes into good pitching. And, oh, yeah, what goes into the fountain of youth that now lives inside the body of Nelson Cruz. We'll visit with Jim Cotton when we come back. You're listening to Sports Huddle. Sid Mike. Max Ford's Twins big weekend. Joe Nathan goes into the Hall of Fame. They win two from Kansas City and a lot of Hall of Famers in town for it, including the one and only Jim Cott. And it's always a pleasure to get to talk baseball or anything else with him. And I'm going to warn him, Sid Hartman could walk in at any point in time. But, Jim, I want to start with one off the beaten path. I saw you there the other day, and I just can't believe the kind of shape that you stay in. 
Uh, t- tell me about, I'm not going to give your age away or anything, but, but you, you look just fantastic. You must take great care of yourself and give us a couple tips for what that fountain of youth looks like. Well, I guess the thing would have, have good parents. <laughs> I mean, I don't do a lot. I, I, I guess I was fortunate. I always kept myself in good condition during my playing days. And I think post baseball, it, it gave me I didn't have to do a lot to maintain it. I, I watch what I eat. Believe me, if you were on the inside of my body feeling some of these aches and pains, I might not <laughs> feel, you know, I, I feel the aches and pains of 80 years old, but I feel very fortunate when uh, when I see some of my colleagues that are having trouble getting around. But uh, I appreciate that compliment, but I can't really take any credit for it. I was just... Uh, I guess blessed with a with a pretty good body and was able to maintain it. Although along those lines, a thirty nine year old just dominated this series so far, named Nelson Cruz. What do you see when you see him, and what does that tell you about a guy that stays committed to it? Well, when I see Nelson, and I've known him and watched him for a long time, I just see a hitter in the latter stages of his career that is very confident and in control of what he does at the plate. There's no anxiety there. And when you get, you know, that kind of confidence and that kind of ability, and then right now he is on a streak. Anybody knows that's played baseball. This streak is not going to continue forever, but right now, you know, he is in what we would call the zone. And, uh, as Rocco Baldelli said, he's, he's running out of, uh, adjectives to describe it but it's it's fun to watch but i just think in general nelson right now is a very confident hitter in control of his swing and of the strike zone and uh he's cashing all that in right now when you look at the twin starting pitching staff they didn't upgrade in the rotation they got a couple of relief pitchers at the deadline is this a uh, rotation built for the postseason as we start to peek at that or how do you assess I think, you know, it's been a pleasant surprise. I think we give a lot of credit to Wes Johnson, you know, a coach coming in with no professional experience, and then the ability of, uh, you know, of all the starting pitchers. Kyle Gibson has, has really peaked this year. Rizzi has done so well, and uh, even with some of the injuries, Pineda's going to be down for a while. But, sure, I think in a short series, this starting rotation, uh, there's a good variety to it. I mean, today they're starting Smeltzer, who was a crafty lefty with a funky motion and changes speeds. And then you got Barrios with a different assortment and Martin Perez, who runs that cutter inside. So when you are an opposing lineup and you look at the starting pitchers you're facing, they all have a little something different to offer. Uh, Jim, when you played with some some guys to get the ball out of the ballpark, obviously it's a record pace right now, but how does that change your mindset of a starting pitcher when, when you don't know you're going to get three, four home runs every night, but you got a pretty good idea that you got some guys that are going to produce some offense. How does that change the way you attack a strike zone or strategically pitch? Well, I, I think if I apply it to myself personally, I was still, I was a strike thrower. I, I didn't, in my younger days, I may have had what they call dominant stuff, but for the most part, I was a strike thrower. I depended on ground balls, and I don't think I could change that. I talked to Justin Verlander recently, and he was talking about how we all know there's too much attention to the ball, but the attention is certainly justified. There's no question something is different when you see balls fly out of the ballpark that we see today. But again, it's the same for both teams. But in Justin's case, he said, 
I just get to a point where I think I have to strike everybody out. I don't, I don't dare let them mm. put it in play. Well, you know, I couldn't do that. My, my method was give the hitters enough chances to get themselves out so that they, you would have to do that through change of speeds. I still think the best combination of pitches today is fastball, change up, slow curve. Emphasis on good command of the fastball in all four quadrants of the strike zone. It's the only pitch you can do that with. Most hitters today have slider speed bats, and most pitches that go out of the park are sloppy sliders. Uh, a pitcher will throw two or three good ones, and I say, wow, that was a good slider. But you can't continue to throw one good slider after another. And every, like Chris Sale is finding that out. And you leave one in the strike zone a little over the plate, and, and it's gone. And it's, it's just a, the game played today where you have to understand that I might give up four runs, but my teammate my teammates might score five or six for me, and that's, that's the game we're seeing today. Did, did Houston, uh, the biggest upgrade, does that make them uh, a favorite as you see it to get Granky like that with Verlander? Oh, no question. Yeah, and, and then Aaron Sanchez, Brent Strom, of course, who has roots with the Twins, and I've uh, had a talk, a lot of chance to talk to Stromy. He's just done a marvelous job in Houston, and they have something that they do. What exactly it is, but we saw it with Verlander when he went over there and improved his breaking ball. And here's Aaron Sanchez, who we've been talking about for years. That you know, he almost won the Cy Young a few years ago. Has not had much success in Toronto. And there he goes and pitches six no-hit innings. So <laughs> when you look at that kind of potential, yeah. and then you have Cole and Verlander and now Grinke, uh boy, they're built for the postseason right now. Yeah, combined no-hitter for people that didn't catch it. Hey, a crafty veteran just walked into the studio. Sid Hartman, we've only got a couple minutes left. Say hello and ask your best question to Jim Cott. Jim, do you think that the managers take out the pitchers too early. Oh, Sydney! first of all, it's great to talk <laughs> with you. No question I do. It's just the way the game is played, and it's sickening to all of us that, that no pitching, that you see a pitcher cruise along for seven innings, and then they have this myth that, well, i got to protect him, and I'm going to take him out because he's thrown 100 pitches. There is no data out there that proves that restricting innings or pitching has saved a pitcher's arm. We're just training them to be sprinters instead of marathon runners, and to me, it's disappointing. Sid, what uh, what do you think of the twin fishing set? Well, I think like a lot of them, their, their starters are are very adequate, but it's going to depend on how deep their bullpen is. Uh, the Yankees have built their team where their starters, you could say, are average, but they have four or five guys coming out of that bullpen that could actually close games. And that's, you know, when I played for the 82 Cardinals, Whitey Herzog was the first manager that said, I'm going to build my pitching staff from the ninth inning back. And we had Bruce Suter at the end. And then we had a quartet of four of us that pitched the seventh and eighth. And that was the strength of our team. And that's going to determine how well the twins do the rest of the year. And in postseason is the depth and efficiency of their bullpen. Jim, appreciate it very much. Sid wants you to stay on hold so we can get your address and get your certificate to Murray Steakhouse. All right. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Jim. Jim Cott, the one and only. And, boy, nobody breaks down baseball uh, like him. And uh, 
A lot of fun. Derek Falvey, not far away, general manager of Minnesota Twins. We'll talk to him about the deal to get Nelson Cruz in here and what they did before the trade deadline. That's all straight ahead. Sports Huddle, Mike and Sid today. Welcome back, Sports Huddle. Big show still in front of us. Derek Falvey, Minnesota Twins general manager. Uh, P.J. Fleck in the next uh, hour. I was at the uh, uh, Vikings passing scrimmage last night. I'll give you some observations on that. Uh, plus, Rico Dennison will join us, Minnesota Vikings assistant coach. Uh, he'll talk uh, about what they're trying to do here offensively because they've got a little bit of a new scheme and some new wrinkles with him in uh, part in charge with uh, Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski. Dave St. Peter will give us some time for sure uh, and a whole bunch more. Your phone calls welcome at any time and text as well, 651-989-9226. You're listening to the Sports Huddle. This week, it's Mike and Sid. Welcome back, Sports Huddle. Twins win, Twins win, Twins win. Nelson Cruz rakes. That's the theme of the uh, last two days out at Target Field. It's been something. Joining us right now, the general manager of the Minnesota Twins and actually president of baseball operations, Derek Falvey. How are you? Thanks for joining us. No problem, Mike. Uh, Happy to be on. Nelson Cruz uh, obviously grabs headlines for what he did the last two nights. You don't see that. (laughs) That's the kind of stuff you just... Putting your file away because you're not going to see that very often. But tell me about the off season, identifying him as someone you wanted and why you wanted him and what that process was like. You know, Nelly's a guy now at, at age 39 that continues to be uh, seemingly ageless. You know, his his approach at the plate, uh, his eye, his selection of pitches, all of those things we knew were going to translate. You know, he's strong. He's obviously hit a lot of home runs for a long time, but he takes great at bats. I mean, he gets to hit the ball to all parts of the field. But to get to answer your question, he was a guy who we identified who would help us in the clubhouse, who is a leader, who's a great teammate, someone who we think could help our young players continue to mature. So the combination of his his offensive abilities and his leadership was what led up to us. How about Cruz? Like uh, Mike asked you, was other clubs a competition for him? Oh, there was, no question. He's, He's one of those guys that I think was sought after by just about every American League team that, that had visions on competing this year, for sure. And I know that there were a couple of clubs, he said at the end, that it came down to, and he felt like this was a great place. It was a, a good place to be. He loved the young team. He loved the direction it was headed. I think he really enjoyed the connection with Rocco Baldelli. So the combination of all of those things, he felt like this was the place he wanted to be, and uh, I, we're very fortunate to have him. You got him signed for next year, right? Yeah, so the benefit to the contract that we ended up with him is we have a club option for next year, so under control with us, and I think that's a huge, huge benefit because he he wanted to be someplace where he knew he could be for maybe more than one year. When you're 39 years old at the major league level, I think you're thinking about you know every night competing, not knowing how much longer you're going to play. That's just the reality of it. But he wanted to know he could be in a place that could be competitive and give himself a chance to get to the playoffs. Uh, the, the trade deadline has now come and gone, and Dyson and Romo are, are what uh, you acquired and procured uh, before the deadline. Uh, break down each deal and what you see from each one. Yeah, when we went into the deadline, we were focused primarily on pitching uh, and and certainly of, of different varieties. And as we got through it, we realized this was a unique trade deadline, one of the more uh, one of the more unique ones of my career for sure. And at the end of the day, very few. Uh, pitchers ended up moving, and the relievers were, were the were the place we could spend our time. And in, in both guys, we have experience, uh, ability toward the back end of games. Both guys have closed major league games out before, 
and you have two different looks. One in Sergio Romo that's a little bit more uh, sidearm, kind of east-west movement, and you've got Sam Dyson who's got a heavy sinker when everything's right for him. So I think that we feel like we added two guys to Taylor Rogers toward the back end of games that are going to help us close them out. Okay. Is there any way you can get a start, Fisher, under the new rules? There, so there's no way to acquire another major league player uh, through trades or any, any, of, any of that now with the new rules. In, in August in the past, players used to clear trade waivers and you could acquire them uh, by way of, of trade if they did so. And unfortunately, that's not the case. But I will say that for our group, we feel like Mike, Big Mike and Michael Pineda going on the IL here, we're just going to give him some rest with that triceps issue. I uh, feel like it's actually a good way for him to, to get a little bit of a blow here when he's dealing with a little bit of, of a symptom. And then, you know, in terms of our young guys, Devin Smeltzer, Lewis Thorpe, others, we feel like those guys can step up should we need them to, and, and Devin will step up for, for us today. Isn't this strange, though, Derek? Because you always had this trade deadline, and then you go, okay, now we reset, and we kind of see if you're in the race for the next month or so, you want to get somebody to get them on the postseason roster, et cetera. It's just weird, isn't it, that it's completely over? Yeah, it is. I, I will admit. I mean, my whole career has been spent with uh, spending August every day looking at who's on trade waivers and, and if you would potentially claim and whether or not you could work something out. So I think even back to my first year in baseball, I think that was one of my first duties was to look at that list and make sure I got all that information to uh, the general manager I was working for at the time. So now it's uh, you're sitting back and, and wondering what will happen you know, this month. There may be some players on outright waivers that could be claimed that that could be fits for major league teams. I think that's possible, but uh, at this stage, it, it is a little bit of a unique situation for sure. And could you then, I mean, w- w- is the only play really left is if somebody says, uh, if we release this guy, I don't know if they have any, once you release them, I guess they're on, they're on the, uh, uh, they're on it for their entire salary. Is there any negotiate that could be done? Like we'll release them if, if you help pay part of the salary or is that not part of it now? No, it's no longer part of it. You either have to right cut ties or not, huh? Exactly. Yeah. So if you, but, but if you outright the player, this is something unique and kind of in the weeds around baseball, but you could place a player on outright waivers. If that team claims him, they take on the remainder of his salary and, and the team that's giving him up, uh, doesn't get any compensation back for that. So that's okay. possible still, uh, still, but those are probably unique circumstances and, and would be less likely for a lot of major league players to show up on outright waivers. Sid, any chance you'll get the Buxton back for? Cleveland series. Well, Byron is, is somebody who clearly we've had some ups and downs, you know, physically over the last couple of months with him. And this was an unfortunate circumstance when he went into the wall there in Miami and ended up with the subluxation of the shoulder. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we anticipate him being down for three to four weeks from, from the time of the injury. He needs some rest and recovery initially here, then some rehabilitation. We're hopeful at the back end of those three to four weeks, he's, he's in a good place to come back. But at this stage, I don't see him, uh, returning to our club until at least uh, at least the beginning of September. Uh, when, when you uh, you sit down and obviously Byron Buxton plays the game so aggressively, and obviously the next conversation is going to be: Is there any way to taper that at all? I don't know if there is. Yeah, I'm with you, Mike. I, you know, sometimes uh, it's it's easier said than done. Let's put it that way. When that little white ball goes in the air into a gap, I don't think Byron thinks anything other than go get it, and that uh, that's that's who he is. That's his mindset, and you never want to change that. We've done some things you know, with respect to positioning him. We kind of moved him back a little bit closer to the wall so he didn't have quite the running start to go into those walls. I know other guys, and we've had players within our organization, whether it's Tory Hunter, 
uh, or others that have kind of talked to him about maybe how he goes into the wall. It's just been unfortunate that he's had some uh, gotten banged up a couple of times when he's done that. And I think we're going to be we're going to do everything we can to try and help prevent any of those going forward. But Byron's a one speed player and it's, it's all speed all the time. And I think that uh, I think that is what makes him great, but also can make some challenges when he goes into those walls. You got a bunch of guys going to arbitration. Are you making any effort to sign any of these guys now? Well, we we look at our guys. Certainly, this past off season went through arbitration and and secured deals with everybody. That's a pretty normal course. We were very fortunate to get Max Kepler and Jorge Polanco signed to long term extensions uh, to avoid that process even going forward and, and control them for longer than their uh, normal control years with the club. So that worked out great. Typically, this time of year, what we want to do is focus on the on the team on the field and let the players play. It's not I'm not typically keen on having a lot of contract discussions going on in season so so we aren't focused on that right now there's certainly a time for that hopefully much later this fall after we have a nice run and, and we can talk about the off season and what these players are looking for going forward but i think the core of guys that we have and hopefully um some of the other ones coming will be here for a long time philosophically derek for the here and now are, are, are you sold on the idea of let's get some big boppers however it is you lose somebody whatever but is that going to be a focal point of saying this seems to work pretty well uh, to load up with some big guys that can hit the ball out of the park and take your chances well i think a, a lot of that's even organic you know in internal growth you see a kid like max kepler grow into his power you know this wasn't a guy who uh, anyone i would think at the outset would have predicted a chance to get to 30 plus home runs and i think that He's a guy who's learned his swing, adjusted, and adapted. So I want to find good hitters. I even think of Nelson Cruz. I realize he's a home run hitter, but this guy's a pure hitter. You know, the ability to hit the ball and home runs the other way to right field just as often as he does to left. So I think we are looking for good overall offensive contribution. Now, some of that will come in the form of Luis Arias, who can spray the ball around and, and get on base in front of those guys. But it's certainly impactful when you have the ability to, with one swing of the bat, either get yourself right back into a game or or give yourself an extended lead. And I think that's the way our team's built right now, and it's, it's certainly been successful. How much do you think Cleveland helped themselves with the deals they made? Well, they certainly, they're, they're a good team. We knew that even before they made their trade deadline trades. And I think uh, anytime you lose a pitcher like Trevor Bauer, that, that's a meaningful impact in your rotation. There's no question about that. So I know that they, they internally probably feel like they, they're losing on that side. At the same time, you get hitters like Fran Mel Reyes and Yasiel Puig, and, and that ups their offense. So I, I see them, at, and certainly they get long-term control over uh, at least Reyes and a young pitcher in Logan Allen. So that I certainly having worked there for as long as I did, I know that's part of the process and sometimes having to trade away guys as they get toward the back end to gain some players for the future. That's been the business model that they've lived through. And, and ultimately uh, it's led to some success, but I think they're a good team. I think we're going to be in a battle the rest of the way. It'll be a lot of, a lot of fun playing them head to head over the next couple of months and uh, hopefully end up in a good spot on the back end. What's it been like with Rocco this year? You know, it's, it's his first year of managing, even though he's so poised, it doesn't seem like that. He's a pretty analytical and cerebral guy. Uh, I assume by nature, which is one of the reasons that you were attracted to him. But but this is the first time for him through the the, the bobbing and weaving of a season and and the bringing guys up and sending them down and, and relief pitchers coming up for you know one outing, all those things. What's it like to work with him on a daily basis as you go through that process? You know, every everything you just touched on, everything he's going through is is for the first time. So whether it was the first spring training or the first few first couple of months or the first uh, trade deadline or otherwise. And he's really taken everything in stride. As you said, poised, calm, collected. 
He's been in that seat as a player. He's been on those staffs as a coach. He's been around the front office. He understands all of the dynamics. And I think what Rocco is so good about is he's always planning ahead. He's always thinking about what may come in the next 10 to 15 days and how can we prepare for that. And I think we're getting into that stretch of August and we're playing meaningful games. And there's nothing better uh, than, than the stress of, of playing late August baseball and getting into September when the games matter. And I, he loves it. He embraces it. He's a great leader for our guys, and I think he just continues to communicate. That's the key. Talk to our players. Make sure they're aware. There are some guys who are maybe playing a little less than they want to play. That's just reality as you get through a season. Making sure those guys are still attentive to being ready because you never know when someone might go down or have an injury, and you need to be ready to step up and, and be a big part of this team. So that's what Rocco focuses on, and each and every day he and his staff have prepared our guys to do that. But uh, your first baseman comes back last night. And does a fantastic job. CJ CJ has been great all year for us, and I think that when he had that thumb injury earlier, we treated it a little more conservatively, hoping that giving him a little bit of downtime would be all he needed to to rest, recover, get back. Unfortunately, that didn't work quite as well for him. He, he felt some pain again in that thumb, so we took a more aggressive route the second time around, uh, trying to knock it out with with a medical procedure. That took a little bit more time again, but for him to go down, spend some time down in Fort Myers, get him get his timing right. Uh, we knew when he was swinging the bat in Fort Myers and not feeling pain, we felt really good about bringing him back. So getting him right back in the lineup as soon as he showed up, he's been a, a great fit for us at first base. You know, it's never easy to replace. Joe Maurer and the quality of the defense over there at first. I think CJ's done that admirably, and he, he certainly adds to the power in our lineup. No question about that. To place, uh, and this just came down, I guess I didn't realize it, uh, if it's all news news, but you put Dyson on the IL as well, huh? Yeah, so Sam's somebody who, as he came over, uh, has been dealing. And Sam's a guy, he's a, he's a gamer. I mean, he'll take the ball every time you give it to him. Uh, you guys will get to know him a little bit, and, and from what I've learned from him already, he'll take it a 100 times if you give it to him over the course of a year. Well, he's been fighting through some stuff with some biceps tendonitis uh, that probably he was pitching through even prior to the trade, and it's starting to act up a little bit to the point where we feel like, much like in CJ's case, if we, think, if we just talk about him, uh, giving him a little bit of time to calm that down is important. So we want to think about him for the whole stretch run, not just immediately, but I don't think his command's been where it needs to be, and I don't think he's a complainer. He'd never make an excuse, but his pitches aren't where they need to be, and I think this is the reason why. So we're going to give him a 10-day blow here and get this right and uh, hopefully get him the way we need him to be down the stretch. Derek, thank you so much for your time, Sid. And we'll get you a murder certificate to the best steakhouse in town. They love to have you come in there. Tim Murray's a big Viking, big uh, twin fan. Derek, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on, guys. Have a great Sunday. You bet. Derek Falvey. Give us a call, 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. Call or text Mike Max, Sid Hartman, The Sports Huddle. Welcome back, Sports Huddle. Dave Mona with a hard-earned week off. Sid Hartman, Mike Max. We just heard from Derek Falvey. 651-989-9226. You can use that to call us or to text us. We will take your calls along the way. Uh, P.J. Fleck coming up as well in this uh, this half hour. Let's go to Omar in St. Paul. Omar, you're on the sports huddle. Hey, fellas. I got a comparison for Byron Buxton because we're being told he just plays hard, it's too hard, whatever. I can't help but think that one out in a game is not worth four to six weeks especially in a stretch run, you're getting ready to play Cleveland. 
And when I think of this guy, he reminds me of like a Robert Smith. You got to know when to go down. You got to know when to lose the battle to win the war. I wanted to know what you and Sid think. I'll hang up and listen. I think it is incredibly difficult to make that call on the fly as to which one might hurt you, which one might uh, result in injury, and which one won't. Because a lot of things that you get away with, diving, etc., uh, you know, four to five times you don't get hurt. So, so to begin to ascertain that on the fly, I think is a very difficult thing for a player, especially, you know, Byron's takes a lot of pride in this now, you know, and being a gold glover kind of thing and going back to the wall and playing the warning track and all those things. Sid Hartman, what would you tell Byron Buxton about how he plays the game? Do you think you can curtail that at all? Do you think you can ask him to play less aggressively? Buxton's injuries? Yeah, do you think he can play less aggressive? What do you think he could do to help uh, prevent some? I don't know. What you can do? Talk to the medical people. Find out. He's, Bud Grant had that theory. Guys uh, who can be healthy. <laughs> Durability. Play. Huh? Durability. You're right. You got to be healthy. And he, when he's out of the lineup, they don't win. And uh, they got to get him healthy some way. They, they need him healthy for the Cleveland series. I'll tell you that. Well, he's not going to be there for the Cleveland series. I don't think he's going to get evaluated for a couple of weeks. 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226. If you have a question or a comment or a text that you want to pass uh, along our way. You sounded like you, you were a little disappointed the Twins did not get a starting pitcher. Yeah, I'm disappointed. I, I think they need a starting pitcher. They had to go out. Listen, they'll never have a better uh, opportunity to win uh, uh, maybe a pennant or even go to World Series. This is the best chance they had, and they need a starting pitcher. They don't have the starting pitching they need to win. Um, they, I don't know if you caught that, but Dyson, you know, the pitcher they just picked up, uh, is on the injured list already. Dennison? Dyson, the pitcher that they just brought in, the relief pitcher. The new pitcher? Yeah, they put him on the injured list today. Oh, is that right? Yeah, just, just a few minutes ago. No kidding. Yeah. Which, yeah. which pitcher is that? The pitcher that did not do so well so far. Oh, from uh, the Giants? Yeah. He sure to ready? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what your take is on that, but obviously you need this. This Romo looks like kind of a fun fireballer. The other pitcher looks, you know, he's been pretty good. He must have been hurt when he got here. I don't know. I thought they'd take a physical before they sign him. Well, he got here in the third inning, so I don't know how you could do that. Let's go to Denny on line one. Denny, you're on the sports huddle. Well, good morning, guys. Uh, I want to bring up uh, uh, Brios was pitching a masterpiece down in Miami, and he takes him out with only 80 pitches. And I don't understand that. The guy could have uh, finished the game. And yet he took him out. What's well, your thoughts on the, that? The one thing I'll say is they had that game. They, they were had seven to nothing. You got to feel pretty good about where you stand on it. So therefore, if you can give your bullpen some work, which they wanted to do, it's not just about the starting pitcher. Sometimes you've also got this rotation of guys sitting in the bullpen that you want to keep active and get some work for. So it, it's not. I don't think. I think that night they go. If we can save Barrios a little bit here and give our bullpen some work, some guys that need it, I think it becomes a two-edged sword. So I don't think it's always about pitch count and this and that. I think sometimes it's about trying to use some other people as well. Sometimes okay. I think the manager takes that starting pitcher out too soon. 
he took out uh, bears the other day, and uh, things didn't work out. I think that's that right. They, they don't have the greatest bullpen in the world. All right, we'll take that. we'll take a break. PJ Fleck, not far away. You're listening to the Sports Huddle. Ten thirty-two at the time. Mike Max, Sid Hartman, joined by PJ Fleck as the Gophers commence on the 2019 season. Good morning, PJ. What 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 is your schedule like on when you get to camp? Uh, I know you lay it out for the entirety of it, but like today, do you practice or how do you stagger it? Yeah, today's uh, we've got two walkthroughs. Uh, we have the I, I take that back. Sorry, we don't have two walkthroughs. That was a Wednesday. That's the other day off. Today we have two-hour meetings. That's pretty much it. Players get in there uh, somewhere around twelve in between 12 and 2 o'clock, they have lunch, and then they have some massages. So they, uh, you know, the soft tissue and the deep tissue work that uh, we can provide on them. So uh, that's a voluntary-type deal. And then they have uh, two hours of meetings, and that's pretty much it. So it's a great time for coaches to either be able to see their families in the morning and then after that have a lot of meetings and continue to prepare for the next week uh, to come. How about Anderson? Go, 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 go ahead. Ask again, Sid. Huh? Ask it again. Your mic was not on. Go ahead. Talk about Annex said. Uh, what's your quarterback situation now? I know that Bud Grant thinks that Kramer from Eden Prairie is unbelievable. Is he? Is he got a chance to move up as a substitute? Well, first of all, Tanner Morgan's won a lot of big games for us, you know, and. You know, that's between him and Zach splitting time last year. I think that was important to see. Obviously, with Zach's injury right now, um, you know, it looks like Tanner will be the guy in terms of uh, uh, day one uh, and then game one. I think that made the decision a lot easier after Zach got hurt. Um, but uh, hopefully Zach will be back uh, by the end of the year. I know he's going to work really hard to do that. You feel really awful for him. He's worked really hard, and he's a wonderful person. He was in a, a tremendous quarterback battle. Um but again, this is going to help him become a better leader, become a better teammate, uh, even that he is now, and he's such a good teammate now. And it's uh, it's wonderful to be able to to uh, to be with kids as they go through very difficult times, and be able to help shape them and, and teach them that, like our staff does and our team can do. So when you look at uh, Jacob Clark and Cole Kramer, they're both really talented. Uh, you know, they've got to be able to expedite their maturation process a lot faster and we will uh, we will continue to pour into them they are going to get a lot more reps in practice and then just be creative as we continue to go from there we always have options we always do it's football injuries do happen and you always have to have a plan for them can you see some freshmen moving in as starters well we'll see you know i mean we've got we've only been in camp four days so we've got a long way to go but, you know, I'm really impressed with the freshmen, whether the redshirt freshmen or the true freshmen that we have. Um, really impressed with, some, you know, with Micah Dude Treadway from Notre Dame and then Ben St. Just, uh, the kid from uh, University of Michigan. Uh, so we're really excited about those guys as well. So I think we did a great job of, of, of bringing some of the needs that we had to the football team and then having them be able to be pretty good players and people at the same time. I was talking to Kirk Cousins the other day about training camp and what you get out of it, and he says, you know, the, the skeleton drills and all that stuff are great, but eventually when you learn about players is when you go 11 on 11. How, how do you you know, work towards that in terms of an evaluation, and, and do you see that ultimately? Do you have to see these guys going 11 on 11 to really understand what they can do? Well, I don't need to see Kamal Martin do that or Carter Coughlin do that or Thomas Barber do that, right? But, yes, I think you do need to be able to see a lot of these young guys play the game of football. Um, there's a – there's a physical component to our game. 
and they're and that's tackling, that's blocking, tackling, hitting. Um, and so you've got to, and there's a, there's a certain toughness to that. There's a mental, physical, and emotional toughness to that, that you've got to be able to evaluate somehow, some way. Not just can you do that, but can you do it in very high stress and high pressure environments like we play in in the Big Ten every single Saturday. So, um, you know, we're going to continue to evaluate all the way through. We had uh, basically the young, young guys have had three practices with no pads, and then yesterday was our first pad of practice in uppers. Uh, and then as we get into next week, we'll be having some full pad of practices. And you want to do that earlier in camp. You know, you want to do that right before you play. So for the next week, it's going to be very physical, uh, probably uh, being able to find out scrimmage in a little bit more, not necessarily big open scrimmages, but just at the end of the practice, letting them tackle, let them get after it a little bit, just so we can evaluate what type of football players we have. How about your two running backs, Smith and Shannon? Are they going to be ready to go when practice starts? This week? Well, yeah, practice has already started. Um, Shannon's doing a little bit of a limited workout, uh, but Rodney is full go. And then you throw in Muhammad Ibrahim and Bryce Williams. And this Cam Wiley young man is very impressive. Uh, very impressive. He's just got to be able to learn the position, mature on the football field. Uh, and I know he will. He's willing. He's a tremendous worker. And he's very coachable. And so is Trey Potts. Uh, young man from Pennsylvania. So we've, we're very deep there, which is good because, you know, we got to get Rodney ready. It's one thing to be cleared and say you're okay. It's another thing to be in football shape, right? And that's what we have to continue to build for all of our backs and our whole football team as we go through the whole month of August. Is Winfield 100% and where will he play? He looks really good. You know, he's our strong safety right now. He looks really good, you know, and, uh, you know, he's been – he had a tremendous offseason. You know, whatever you're like in the football field, it feels really good. I know the way that we scheduled the Wednesdays and Sundays in terms of no running activity, uh, I think that's really helped. You know, you can go two days on Monday, Tuesday, and then you basically don't run on Wednesday. Then you go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then you have massages and no running on Sunday. So it's really helped our players. Uh, the length of practices we've reevaluated and want and looked at just to be um, – you know, just to be the best football team we can possibly be when we need to be. Uh, we know what a lot of our players can do. You know, the first two years, you're finding out what guys can actually do because you don't even know them, right? And now you know what those football players can do. So now it even gives more time to some of the young guys so we can develop them at a, at a faster pace. You know, in the NFL, they say it's hard to evaluate offensive linemen because they've been in a two-point stance uh, in the college game now. Uh, is it hard to evaluate offensive linemen at the high school level because they, they're in a three-point stance a lot then, and then they come to a two-point stance at the college game? Well, it depends. You know, it's all system-related. You know, we're a three-point stance team. Our tackles or times are two-point. But, you know, we like to put our hand on the ground and run the football with inside zone and outside zone. And that's what we do. You know, that's where we, where we hang our hat on the run game. So it, it's a little bit, uh, I would say the offensive line part is, the, I think the tackle positions may be a little bit different because a lot of the tackle positions are a little bit more projections. You know, some of the tackles, when you look at them, you know, like, like J.J. Gaudet was like 235 pounds in high school, 240 pounds. Well, now he's 315, right? So there's a projection to that. I think that's the most difficult part is when you're looking at the tackle positions if they're not already 310, 315 pounds, like some other guys that are just naturally that big, and those are usually the those top candidates uh, in recruiting. But then you you want to be you want to find those diamonds in the rough. You want to find those extremely athletic tackles. Well, a lot of times those extremely athletic tackles are the guys that are in high school. They're you know 225, 230, and they're they're huge. They're broad, and you know they're going to get bigger. But they're only 16 years old, right? So it's that projection of being able to 
to find out, okay, yes, will he be big enough? Two, is his body made so he can be strong enough? And is he, have a, and, and is he athletic enough? Okay. Talk about the, the defensive guys you lost, like Cashman and the, the Huff brothers. Are you going to be able to replace those guys? Well, we, we hope to. You know, uh, first of all, they're, they were tremendous football players for us, did a great job for us. What we have to be able to do is find guys who can continue to do all the right things, be in the right positions, make all the plays. But when you look at the linebacker position, you know, you got Kamal Martin who's having a really good camp so far, uh, as expected. He usually always does. He's such a hard worker than Thomas Barber. And then when you kind of go across and you start to go below that with the Thomas Rushes and, and Mariano Sori Marins, those are the guys that have to step up. The Braylon Olivers, those are the guys that have to step up. And they're having a really good camp so far, but we got a long way to go. Um, you know, thank goodness it's only August, August 5th, something like that. Uh, thank goodness it's that. We're not, we're not ready to play, and we're not ready to play a game. we got a long way to go, and um, I'm glad we got practice tomorrow. You lost a great kicker in Carpenter. Do you have anybody to replace him? we got three guys that are in a, a competition right now. You know, Brock Walker is a young man who was here, to, had a great spring, kind of emerged in the spring, has gotten so much better, mentally tough, just a football player. And did a great job in the spring. Uh, Michael Lance is a young man who came to us from Georgia, and we're excited about him and his future. Uh, he has, you know, he has got a very, very strong leg. But again, coming here as a true freshman and being able to kick—that's that's very difficult to do. So we've got to speed up his maturation process mentally. And and Tarbutt is a young man who is a transfer, and uh, you know, so every day we we put these guys in a competition uh, every single day, and we need to be able to continue to find out in the high-pressure situations, who makes the play. But right now, none of them have really run away with the, with the job. You know, they've made some, they've missed some. So we've got to get more consistent at that position. And I look forward to the competition as we keep going forward of how it unfolds. P.J., before I let you go, I know you attended uh, a funeral service for Marty Davis' grandfather and uh, Mark Davis's father, the kind of the, the guy that started the whole thing with the uh, business down there in, the, in Cambria. And uh, I, I was out of town, but it sounded like it was quite an event. It was quite an event, you know, and... Um, it's, it's a special family, and uh, Marty's been really good to me over the years since I've been here, and his whole family has. And you know, and we just want to be able to, you know, pay our respects and condolences to their family as they go through some very difficult times. But uh, you know, the world's about people, and all we wanted to show was we, we're, we're here, and and uh, we just wanted to show support. But uh, there was a lot of people there, and you know, you don't really know because you're not here anymore. But you know, usually. You know, people won't say anything until your funeral about you that are really good. You always hear the bad things until your funeral happens. And it's, a of, it's a ton of perspective. And, uh, that's true, yeah. It, yeah, you know, they don't, that's especially when you're a public figure and you're, you're out there. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I hope, I hope that, yeah, you hope I can hear it at the funeral because that might be the next time I hear something good. <laughs> Sid, wrap it up. I want to say a few words. We send our thoughts and prayers to the whole Davis family as they go through their time. Hey, PJ, thank you so much. Sid will get you the Murray certificate, uh, and, uh, and we will talk to you real soon. Just a second. Yep. Thanks, PJ. Yeah, you got it, guys. Rose Boats came out. Go Gophers. Thanks. You bet. Uh, you were just talking about Marty. I wanted you to be able to finish up on that, though. Murray's you know, coming. Tim always loves to have you come in there. And I want to remind people about the great ticket plan they got. Great schedule. Great ticket plan. All right, your phone calls the rest of this half hour, 651-989-9226. 
651-989-9226. You want to talk Gophers? You want to talk Twins? You want to talk Vikings passing scrimmage? I was there yesterday, sat with uh, uh, Mr. Spielman for quite a while afterwards, had a nice visit with him. All that's on the table. You're listening to the Sports Huddle. You're listening to WCCO. Welcome back. Sports Huddle, Mike Max, Sid Hartman taking your phone calls. Let's go to Greg in Burnsville. Greg, you're on. Mike, thanks for taking my call. Always a pleasure to listen to you and the brains of the sports area, you know, kind of throw some ideas that we haven't even thought about. But I've got a question as I was listening to the uh, Gopher football coach. Uh, you know, uh, I'm an alumni, and uh, I've been a booster of sports. I've uh, been a season ticket holder for 32 years for the Gopher hockey team until a couple of years after they joined the Big Ten, I kind of felt like we kind of shot ourselves in the foot on that one. But my question is, are we becoming uh, kind of the Cleveland Browns of the Big Ten as far as football? I mean, from the standpoint, Tracy had us back on the path, and and I think I always am an optimist that this guy is doing a great job. He certainly sounds like a very positive thing, but, uh, you know, it just – it just gets to be tough to tough to take. Uh, my era when I was at the U was with Bob Stein and Fawnhorse and those guys, and they they always kind of gave you a real good good feeling. But um, you know, I'm just wondering. You know, the Big Ten is expanding to so many teams, uh, trying to get to the Rose Bowl, which is was always my idea. I mean, I, I was a kid when they went there and. Uh, early 60s. Yeah, Sid was a grown adult well into his career. Yeah. $100 away, you yep. know, I'll be able to afford to go out to Pasadena. <laughs> Greg, appreciate the call. First off, I, I'm, I'm semi-bullish on this team this year, uh, the Gover football team, because the two things that I think is that they have experience and they don't make many mistakes. They're a well-disciplined football team. Uh, their quarterback position doesn't make mistakes no matter who it is in there, and they can run the football. And generally speaking, that leads to success. Now, the, 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 I think the downside of it is you look at the Big Ten West, and they can't all win. Nebraska looks like they could be good if you assume Iowa's Iowa. Uh, if Wisconsin bounces back, uh, Purdue obviously has some uh, has some juice there, but they're a little bit up and down. Northwestern lost some good players, but apparently this quarterback that they've got to transfer in from Clemson is pretty good. Uh, so it looks to me like it's going to be kind of a dogfight in the Big Ten West, and, and, and that's why the Gophers probably got a, a poor billing from the, the media. But I think that they're going to have a pretty good football team coming in just based on uh, what you've seen last year and into this year. Uh, uh, let's go to George in Zimmerman on line two. George, you're on with Mike Max and Sid Hartman. Good morning, Mike and Sid. My question is uh, Cruz batting third. Mm-hmm. Then we get Snow batting fourth. Uh-huh. They're going to start walking Cruz to get the Snow. That's the. Oh, you're concerned about that? Yeah. Yeah, but Snow's hitting the ball pretty well, too. Sid, uh, when I'm you look at the. Counts. Sid, when you look at Miguel Snow. Some people thought Miguel Sano might get traded before the deadline. I, he, he's kind of a focal point here for this team right now. Give us your thoughts on Miguel Sano. The Twins making his deal? No, Miguel Sano. Huh? M- Sano. What do you think of his performance this year? He's been sensational. Right now, he's not striking out as much. He's healthy. Boy, he's hit some home runs that are unbelievable. 
You saw them all. We had Jim Cott on earlier. You saw Harmon Killebrew and Bob Allison in that lineup. Anything that compares to this lineup? Talk about Sanu? No, I'm saying, is there any Twins lineup you can remember that compares to this lineup? I don't know about that. What do you think? I, I think it's it's different, I guess, because they hit so many home runs, so it's a little bit different probably to uh, analyze. Uh, let's go to Mike in Lakeland. Mike, you're on. Good morning, guys. See, every time you have uh, Brian Lawton on talking about uh, NHL hockey, I'm impressed by his knowledge of the game, and I think he's had some experience in management. I'm not sure if it was with Tampa or whoever it was. But I'm curious, as, uh, would, the, would the Wild ever consider him as a GM? I would, I would think they'd entertain it. Uh, I, I don't know. You know. Brian's doing some great work for the NHL Network now. Uh, but he, he was interested, and they're looking for someone that's got experience as you know, a, a player, an, an agent, a manager. Uh, I would think that'd be right in their lane. Sid, what, what do you think about Brian Lawton as a candidate for the Minnesota Wild job? I don't know. He'd be a good guy for it, but uh, I don't think they'll hire him. But were you surprised with the way that went down this week? I'd be surprised. But he's got, he's got all the intel that you want. He, you know him well. Huh? You know him well. Yeah, I'll do make a shot if I can. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think you might be onto something there. Uh, I don't know exactly. Craig Leopold is running this. I'm not sure exactly what he's looking for or how he feels uh, about mistakes they might have made and how they vetted uh, uh, Fenton coming in. Uh, I don't know. Uh, do we got time for one more, Devin? Yeah. Let's go to uh, Clark in Cotton. Clark, you're on. Yeah, just calling in here, listening to the sister station on 610 AM and stuff. Uh, I think Sano's got a little uh, defensive liability, but that's just my opinion. What do you think about this uh, playoff where they only do uh, three out of five games in the first round? Uh, You lay an egg, you play 162 games, and then you really uh, get smoked by a different pitcher. And then what about these World Series games having a day game and uh, so these little leaguers can actually see the game. They played baseball all year. They love the Twins. They love whoever's in the World Series. But everything starts at 737, and you got five minutes in between uh, each inning to sell tinfoil and Tide. I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, that ain't going anywhere because primetime is where they want to live for uh... – uh, for the, for the money and uh, the old days and Sid, you remember it better than I when they used to play World Series afternoon games. Do you remember that? World Series. Yeah, remember when they used to play them in the afternoon? Yeah, it was good, real good. People would go. Hey, they go to night games too, though. Oh yeah, the World Series draws whenever it's it's played. There's no problem attracting people to. World Series games. Yeah, I guess the only time that they could do a day game would be on a Saturday or a Sunday, but now you're up against college football in the NFL, so you want to stay away from that. Your phone calls welcome, 651-989-9226. Nice job of filling them up. Mike Max, Sid Hartman, the Sports Huddle. Welcome back, Sports Huddle. Let's sneak in one more. You people have been so good about filling up phone lines. Graham in Northville, you're on Sports Huddle. Hey, um, Eduardo Escobar trade. Who did we get for him? I can't remember. I don't either. Can you look up Eduardo Escobar trade? I think it was prospects at the time. I don't remember, but they kind of. Boy, f- I, 
I hope they're good prospects. He was a team leader and a hell of an offensive player. So. He was, but in essence, they replaced him with Gonzalez, and Gonzalez has been uh, his equal because he gives you versatility and can play all over the field like Escobar. Well, he does that. I don't think he's as good a hitter as Escobar was, though. Uh, he's pretty good. Uh, Escobar gave you some pop in his bat. Yeah, he could do some different things, but you, when you look at um, Gonzalez and Arise and the way Arise is playing, uh, I don't think they miss him as much as I thought they would. I thought that Escobar was going to be a key loss to them, uh, and I think they filled the void pretty good. But to answer your question, that you know, the, the bigger question is, what did you get for him in return? And I can't remember. I'm not yeah. sure that, but uh, you know, because you want to get value on a guy that's a, a pretty good player, and I don't recall. We're looking that up right now as we speak. But I think it was prospects that and none of them, that have reached the big leagues so far. We just yeah. got uh, three prospects. Three prospects. Yeah. None of them in the big leagues right now, right? Nope. All right. All okay. right. Thanks, man. You bet. Uh, I got a big Minnesota Viking uh, television show tonight. I'm going to host at 10:35, and uh, how's this lineup sound to you? Kirk Cousins, Rick Spielman, Kevin Warren, new Big Ten commissioner, Daniil Hunter, and a really interesting piece on Amir Abdullah and what he did in the off season to further his understanding of the civil rights movement. That's coming up at 10:30 on WCCO TV. That's kind of an all-star lineup: Rick Spielman, Kevin Warren. Kirk Cousins, Daniil Hunter, uh, Amir Abdullah, the piece on the fans as well, training camp fans. That's all coming up uh, uh, tonight on uh, WCCO-TV at 1030. So uh, Michael Kadire is going to join us at 1105. He gave the uh, speech yesterday for the uh, for Joe Nathan going into the Hall of Fame. Sid, uh, quick thought on Jerry Bell. He goes in today, and uh, you know him quite well. What's that? Jerry Bell goes into the Hall of Fame today for the Minnesota Twins. Give us a quick thought on him. Jerry Bell? Yeah. I think anybody deserves it. He he certainly deserves it. I mean, he had a lot to do with the stadium built. He had a lot to do with the growth of the of the twins. He's a fantastic guy, and his wife is a great lady too. Yeah, he'll have his family there and whatnot. And last night, the twins do those pretty well, don't they? When they have a Hall of Fame, uh, when they have that induction ceremony, it's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, they did a fantastic job. On their Hall of Fame ceremony yesterday, all the former twins came to town. Yeah, it was quite a, they do a great job when they do that thing. Dave St. Peter and that group, they just do a fantastic job. Dave St. Peter will join us at the 11 o'clock hour. And up next, Michael Kadire will break down the Minnesota Twins for us. That's all straight ahead on another scintillating edition of the Sports Huddle. Stay with us.